The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast, is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I recorded this entire episode last night and it was full of static all the way through and I had to troubleshoot, fix the microphone. And so now I was too tired by the time I did all that. So now I'm re-recording this episode. So here we go. So first, yeah, here we are going into Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, everything is shutting down again in a lot of places, not just in the U.S., but that means a lot of us are likely stuck at home with our kids all next week here in the U.S. So what else is new? Actually, around the world, I know a lot of you are shutting down as well and you're all home again. So but we will get through this and we are getting through this and I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope your families are staying safe and I know it feels like it will never end, but this is our second wave and it looks like every pandemic seems to have this. I know this is unprecedented for us. None of us, as far as I'm aware, have ever lived through a pandemic before, but it looks like this is par for the course, the second big wave. And so we're really going into the gauntlet here, but we are making it through. Better days are ahead. So they really are. We will get it. We will get there. So some quick announcements. I'm back to getting videos up on YouTube. Our house is up on the market, so um, I'm still having to run out of the house every so often, but I do think we're about to go into escrow, so that's good. So I am getting those videos back up. I put a few out this week on bedtime and sleep tips. I'm also up over 250 subscribers. Once we hit that 500, I'm gonna put up another class on the YouTube channel. And once we hit 1,000, I'm gonna put up a contest for y'all to vote for three classes. The one with the most votes will get put up on to the YouTube channel. To find that, just search for Your Village on YouTube, and I believe it's the top search that comes up now. Okay, second, I finished up the script for the overindulgence class. So that is now with Ashley, who is my graphic designer extraordinaire. I know I've mentioned her on here many times. She's been with me for since the very beginning, for about four years. She is creating the presentation for that class right now. She does beautiful work. If you've 
taken any of the classes, you can see the beautiful work that she does. So we should have that out right after Thanksgiving. Oh, she also designs the emails and does the web pages. So you've probably all seen some of her really beautiful design work. And I've forgotten about all the great material I pulled together for that class and all the different ways that overindulgence can manifest besides just too many toys or too much stuff. So it's a great class full of great material and it will let you know when it's out. We're looking at it will likely be out shortly after Thanksgiving. Okay, so for the question today, this question is from Melanie. It's about a particular struggle or fear that her toddler is having. It's a really interesting topic. It's one that is really good to delve into because we see a lot of what we as adults would deem as irrational behavior from toddlers and preschoolers. But how do we know when this is a normal behavior or that's on the spectrum of a normal toddler behavior, preschooler behavior or fear or obsession and when it might warrant some intervention? So I'm excited to dive into this question. So Melanie wrote, Dear Erin, thank you for all your eye openers, ideas, and solutions. Your podcast is making us better moms and dads. I have one question on a topic that I didn't hear or see yet in your podcast. Toddlers putting on clothes, t-shirts, pullovers. My only child daughter, Ruby, is two and a half. She's smart, strong-willed, and independent. Ruby has a huge problem with putting on t-shirts or pullovers or anything that goes over her head. Every morning when we put on her clothes, it's a huge drama, delay, crying, screaming, kicking, meltdowns when it comes to putting on her t-shirts or pullover clothes. She demands to put everything over her feet, shoes, undies, Pants are no big deal anymore. During potty training, the summer season, she refused to wear clothes completely. She wanted to be, and I I might butcher this, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this correctly, nakedie, German, for maybe nudie or little bear bum. But over-the-head clothes are a drama. She goes to daycare since she was 18 months old and she loves it there. She went back fairly early during the pandemic in mid-May. Ruby is really good with accepting limited screen time, no crying or protesting when we switch off the TV or when we go into bed. She has lots of fun playing in dark rooms, playing ghost with her flashlight. She wants to have her door slightly open when going to sleep, and she loves building hideaways with her dad with blankets or covers over her head. Ruby is not very much interested in choosing her own clothes yet, but I offer it. I just thought I'd put in this information for the context. She now is potty trained as well, which she is proud of. My husband and I work from home with me working around her schedule and my husband from two to eight, five to six days a week. Luckily, we have some time for her in the mornings. We used to go to daycare around 8.20. Now we're finally leaving often after 9.15 with many distractions, delays, running away, refusing to get dressed. During summertime or when we have busy mornings, I mostly chose button-up dresses or t-shirts and she can pull those over her feet or arms just to get around the issue. She demands to put all t-shirts on over her feet, not her head, which we eventually did to avoid the drama. But now we have every t-shirt totally worn out around the neckline or ripped ones that are not wearable anymore. Luckily, we live in California, but with colder weather in front of us and since we have pullovers her size for the winter, I'd love to guide her out of this fear. Is it a fear? The pullover head issue became so stressful for her that she had some potty regression a few weeks ago. Her teacher in daycare suggested to hold your breath and then pull it over the head. That worked for two days. We even tricked her to maybe convince her that it's really no big deal to put a pullover t-shirt, which we always bundle up in a small roll so that she's not stuck in a dark t-shirt. We tried her putting on a t-shirt on us, on herself, on her bunny, in front of the big mirror, being playful with music, with bribes, which I really don't like to do, and with talking about it with books or upfront. I remember the complaining started when she was a few months old. She always hated getting dressed over her head. 
When we successfully pulled the t-shirt over her head, Ruby massively complains and takes that very shirt off again immediately. I remember one time Ruby panicked inside a t-shirt. Right after we take the shirt off again, it's immediately okay again. But she wears sunglasses, all kinds of hats, and loves the hoodies and hoodie towels after bath time. Ruby also hates to wash Oh, you know, I'm going to leave that out. I'm a bit worried she may develop some kind of claustrophobia. Sorry for the long email, but you mentioned it's important to get more details. We would appreciate your advice. Okay, so I totally appreciate the details. This really, really helps me. I can always leave some detail out when I read the question for the podcast if it's, I feel like it's too much, but these details are really helpful. It was really good that I know the things that she can do, like building the forts and getting underneath those and inside of those. That's actually really helpful to kind of see where she stands with this issue. So again, we often see behaviors that we might consider irrational from toddlers and preschoolers, like I mentioned in the beginning. Some hate to brush their teeth. It's a huge deal. It's a knockdown, drag out fight for some parents. For some, it's the potty, and that's another normal fear or phobia. Pooping on the potty, the big potty, for some toddlers or preschoolers is an issue. Loud noises, bright lights, this can trigger some kids. Many times it comes down to a developmental stage, a lack of skills or abilities, or a developmentally appropriate and common fear that is temperament or personality-based that kids will often grow out of or with some work can grow out of. Other times, rarely, there's an underlying issue or concern that may require intervention. So when is that? What's the difference? How does a parent know when and how to ignore, support, empathize, and coach their child through something while working on the skills? And when is it time to seek some outside intervention? So Melanie, you've done a lot. You've tried a lot of different ways to support your daughter through this. So where do you go from here? First, I want to start with some basics of what is and what we would deem as normal versus what might constitute a concerning fear. Now, we all have fears, adults and kids alike. Having fear is normal. It's a survival instinct. So fear of the unknown. We, a lot of us have fears of certain unknowns. Uh, for children, it's a fear of strangers, of strange foods. So this is why toddlers and yeah, this is why toddlers go through that picky eating stage. I talk about that actually in the infant and toddler feeding class, how it's likely a survival instinct to keep humans from ingesting anything, baby humans, unfamiliar and potentially poisonous when we were a nomadic culture. So a child left to their own devices in nature wouldn't eat poisonous berries or mushrooms while their parents were doing something else turned around. So that is a very normal fear. And I do talk about that in the class, how to circumvent that issue of getting your children to eat a wide range of foods and work around that period of time where they have a fear of new foods. Also, like I mentioned, the fear of pooping on the toilet is a common fear that many toddlers and preschoolers will experience because they're afraid of falling in and going down the toilet with the poop. Loud noises and bright lights can be overwhelming for some children and need some help being guided through that. But then sometimes fears will cross over into becoming a phobia. So what constitutes a phobia? So this is a bigger question and it can relate to a lot of other areas. So before I start to dive into the depths of this question and how it relates to other parents who might be dealing with common fears versus a phobia that they may want to start addressing, let's go to a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, 
By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now that we're back after the break, it's time to answer Melanie's question about her daughter's struggle with pulling things over her head, how she can help her and how parents can differentiate whether or not a behavior may warrant intervention from a specialist or is just a common childhood fear. So right before the break, I was talking about a phobia, what constitutes a phobia. So according to Harvard Health from Harvard Health Medical School, a phobia is a persistent, excessive, unrealistic fear of an object, person, animal, activity, or situation. It's a type of anxiety disorder. A person with a phobia either tries to avoid the thing that triggers the fear or endures it with great anxiety and distress. Only a licensed mental health professional can diagnose a phobia. But here are a list of symptoms for a phobia so that parents can see if they think that their child is exhibiting an actual phobia or it's just a common fear. And I'm going to also go into some common fears after this in just a second. Excessive, unreasonable, persistent feelings of fear or anxiety that are triggered by a particular object, activity, or situation. The feelings are either irrational or out of proportion to any actual threat. So for example, so while a lot of people, anyone might be afraid of an unrestrained dog that's showing aggression, most people are not concerned about a calm, quiet dog on a leash. Avoidance of that object, activity, or situation that triggers the phobia. So because people who have phobias recognize that their fears are exaggerated, they're often ashamed or embarrassed about their symptoms. So to prevent the anxiety symptoms or embarrassment, they will avoid that activity or situation altogether. 
They also exhibit anxiety-related physical symptoms. These are things like sweating, high heart rate, shortness of breath, dizziness, nausea, tremors, palpitations, these symptoms that reflect the body's fight or flight response to danger. So the person has having a fight or flight response to something that is really kind of a normal everyday thing. So with Ruby putting a t-shirt on over her head for a child who's afraid of animals, they're freaked out about an animal that's just sitting quietly on a leash. So they're having a fight or flight response to something that's really kind of an everyday normal occurrence. So now I'm going to talk specifically about phobias in children. So the more common ages for phobias are ages five to nine. They're usually short-lived, only a couple of months. So Ruby does fall outside of these more common parameters that children usually fall under, but that's not necessarily a cause for concern. Now I'm going to talk a moment about separation anxiety. So when Toddlers and preschoolers have separation anxiety. They do usually go in and out of it. It's usually something that will last a couple of weeks and it will come and go, but it does come and go for years with the separation anxiety. So that's another one that it doesn't just come on for a couple months and then leave, although it does with some children. There are children where it will come and go for several years and for some real, yeah. and for some children, it will affect them up to about age seven. Usually it's pretty much gone by five, but some kids will still have a little bit of struggle with it between five and seven still. So if you have an issue with separation anxiety, I do have a class about that on the website also at yourvillageonline.com. Okay, so let's talk about common phobias in children. Often children will have different phobias, and these are the most common ones. Animals, closed spaces, which is where Ruby's fear is, is stemming from. But for her, it seems to be really just something over the face. She doesn't want to feel something over her face and feel enclosed. I'm also guessing she may not like being closed in a box, but that it may not bother her as long as it just doesn't come over her face because she doesn't mind being under the blankets or inside of a, a fort of any kind. Also doesn't mind the hoods around her head. So it may just have something to do with it coming over her face that triggers her anxiety. Other fears, flying, getting sick, having a parent, sibling, or pet get sick or hurt, heights, insects, and spiders, needles, such as getting their shots at the doctor's office, or thunder and lightning. So what causes a phobia? It's a type of anxiety disorder, like I mentioned, and that activates the fight or flight response. It creates feelings of imminent danger that are out of proportion to the reality of the situation. So in Ruby's case, she does not like the t-shirt. She gets really upset about the t-shirt, but there really isn't any real danger in putting on the t-shirt over her face. But for her, she feels like she's in danger when she does that. So kids can develop anxiety disorders for many reasons. Now, I don't know if any of these are relating to Ruby's situation or not. I'm sharing all of these for any other parents who may be experiencing anything similar to this or who will in the future who listen to this so that you can have the whole idea, the whole concept and understand where this can come from. So biological factors. So the brain's chemicals, neurotransmitters send the messages back and forth and regulate emotions and they help regulate emotions. So serotonin and dopamine when they're out of balance can cause feelings of anxiety. So family factors, anxiety and fear can be inherited. So they just like we inherit our physical traits, we also can inherit, and it is a physical trait also because it's the neurotransmitters, but children can also inherit their parents' tendency towards um, anxieties, depression, and those types of things. Um, anxiety reactions can also be learned from family members and others who are noticeably stressed or anxious 
in certain situations. So I've actually seen children who will react to certain foods because the parent reacts to food. So if a parent is like, ugh, I don't want to eat that or oh, that looks slimy or they make comments about their food, the child and they do it commonly, constantly, like not just once or twice. But if this is like a common occurrence that a parent does, then I've seen children actually pick up on that. Or same thing with like insects or spiders or snakes, a parent who reacts to spiders, snakes, etc. The child will often learn the fear response to that same thing. Environmental factors. So any traumatic experience like a divorce, an illness, a death in the family or a major life event can also trigger the onset of an anxiety disorder. So phobias are often very successfully treated with what we call cognitive behavioral therapy. A lot of you have probably heard of it. Some of you probably have not. So I'm not sure how much work can be done at age two and a half with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Definitely talk to your pediatrician, get his or her input. This is for Melanie, you wanna to talk to your pediatrician. Here's what I suggest. I, want, I think you should do the best you can to help her avoid the discomfort for the time being. Finding clothes that she can wear that doesn't invoke the stress or fear response or just one that is super, super mild. So find the shirts that are buttoned up or zipper up. If you have hoodies or sweatshirts, instead of doing the pullover, get one with a zipper or buttons on the front. If you can, just go ahead and do the ones that she can pull up over her legs and her feet for now, like a V-neck or even cutting a wider neck in the shirts or a slit along the shoulder, if that will help her. Make the situation as low stress as possible for her. The more she experiences that stress and panic, the more likely she's going to be to grow more fearful and to push back. So make it as much of a non-issue as you can. And again, get in to see the pediatrician, get his or her feedback, see what they think. Should she get a diagnosis or treatment this early on? Or see if she should be given some time to grow out of it. I kind of see this in as akin to potty training. When they're just pushing back so hard, you just want to let it go, keep them in the pull-ups, and just let it go and try again later and see if they, well, they will grow out of it for the potty training for sure. I think Ruby will likely grow out of this as well, especially if there's just a, a back off of not making a big deal out of it. Once she has more development of a logical brain, stronger language, cognitive skill, when she can communicate her fears, her needs, her feelings, when she can better understand more logically the process of how it's not really something to be concerned about, that may take some time for her to get over that. When she could get to the point where she could even realize that her reaction is out of alignment with the actual threat or danger because there isn't one, that's when she may be able to address it with CBT if she's still having the reaction, or she may be able to just realize logically that, well, this is, doesn't make any sense. I don't know why this is freaking me out. And then she'll be fine. Um, you know, I remember when I was really little, I hated grass and sand. I couldn't walk on grass and sand on my feet. I would just, if any sand would get on the blanket, my mom said I would just brush it off the blanket quickly because I didn't want it near me. I, I, I had a phobia, I guess, of, of sand in particular. I grew out of it. She may just grow out of this. Around age four to five, give her to four to five. If she's still struggling with the shirts over her head and you want to seek some treatment, you could pursue it then. I think CBT would likely be much more useful and helpful at that point. And giving her that opportunity to grow out, it with, grow out of it with some more brain development is very likely going to just go away by then anyway. So just to share, this is related, but not completely the same. My oldest son has a phobia of bees, pretty big phobia. If he sees a bee, he absolutely freaks out. Like he just has to see it and he'll just like, bee, 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 and he runs away. Now, you know, a lot of kids and people don't like bees. They're afraid of bees. They do run away from bees, but he has a pretty big reaction to bees. So I would call it a phobia. 
It has stopped him from going over to his best friend's house, who he absolutely adores. And he loves to see his best friend whenever he can. And I've been like, well, if you want to go, you need to get yourself over there. But he won't even go outside. He won't even try to get to his friend's house. Even if he hasn't seen a bee, he won't even try it because he doesn't want to run into a bee. He's so afraid of seeing one and being stung by one. And he's not allergic to them. It's not a life-threatening thing. It doesn't threaten his health. He just, but he has been stung quite a bit for only being 11 years old. And it is painful for sure, but his reaction is over the top. And we have talked about getting him some treatment, but we haven't done it yet. Now, just this last summer, he was leaving swim practice and a bee flew into his swim parka. And swim parkas have hoods on them to keep swimmers warm between their events. And he happened to have his hood up. The bee flew in to the hood. And when it couldn't escape the hood, he stung Carter in the neck. Every time this happens, obviously does not help our cause of trying to eliminate his fear. He does seem to attract bees, I have to say. And he does want treatment for it. So once COVID is over, we will be getting some treatment for that. And with therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, there is some work cognitively with thoughts that you can have and then how to affect your your behaviors and your reactions. They also will do some things with exposure, with increasing exposure to the fear. So with Ruby, it might be putting something super big over her head, maybe like putting one of those big... um, um, what are they called? Like the, the tunnels, like those play tunnels. I'm wondering if Ruby is okay with crawling through a play tunnel. They may do something like that. See if she'll crawl through a play tunnel. And if she can get through that, um, then they'll move on to things that are a little bit more constricting. If she can't do that, then they'll work on maybe like a hula hoop and then maybe something smaller. I don't know how they would do it exactly, but therapists have a way who specialize in this, have a way of exposing someone to their fear in a way that the in small increments to um, work from where they are to getting to the place where they can, for Ruby, would be able to put a t-shirt over her head, let's just say, or for my son, where he can walk by and have a more normal response to a bee without freaking out about it. So they go from, you know, from wide and then kind of narrow in and increase that exposure. And so it's just little increments of anxiety. And then they get, then they get to a place where they're comfortable with that. Then they'll move it one step further, one step further, one step further over time where they can function through that situation or around that animal person thing that they find distressing. So I hope you have enough information to disseminate a normal childhood fear from a true phobia and when and if you may want to address it with an intervention like cognitive behavioral therapy. If you want to learn more about child development, what's normal behavior versus red flags in cognitive, language, social, emotional, physical development, how to support your child's development in all those areas to keep them on track, and keep moving ahead, you can see the classes you're developing infant, toddler, or preschooler. Of course, all the other 58 classes, their sample videos are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. In another week to a week and a half, we will also be having the overindulgence class coming out as well, added to the library on the website. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. 
entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 